Hello there. Welcome to Souls and Hearts Be With the Word. And I'm Dr. Jerry Creed, a licensed marriage and family therapist in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm Dr. Peter Malinowski, clinical psychologist in Indianapolis, Indiana. All right. We've got a great show for you. This is our 44th episode. It is the 25th Sunday in Ordinary Time, where we reflect on those readings. If you have not already read them, we encourage you to go read them. Uh, but or better yet, go over to our show, Hear the Word, and listen to us read them to you, <laughs> and then come back. Um, but this episode, our topic is why work is not a four-letter word. So uh, we're going to explore that as we look at the readings. How are you doing, Dr. Peter? I'm doing well. I am doing well. It is good to be with you, Dr. Jerry. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, yeah. having a great day. Good, good. And it is great to be here with all of you, all of our, our audience, all our listeners, all our viewers. And I'm really excited about this whole um this whole aspect of work. I grew up a little bit with some of the Johnny Cash uh, music. You know, there's uh, some some real downplaying of work. You know, conflict between the workers and the uh, and the man. You know, and so forth. So I'm real interested in what your thoughts are going to be today, Dr. Jerry, about about work. Yeah, yeah, it's a great topic because um, we most of us are doing some kind of work, whether we're employed or whether we're taking care of children or even volunteer work, most of us do things. Right. Um, and yet it's really interesting to look at what the Gospels especially is saying about it today. I've done a little bit of looking at what the church is saying um, and some of its magisterial teaching, um, but also what does psychology have to tell us about right. the value of work? Um, so we'll be exploring that. And we have a great action item related to appreciating work maybe in a new way. Yeah. So we'll get well, let's that. let's dive into these readings. I'm really curious. Like when you sat down with these readings, yeah. Like what what leapt out at you? What like grabbed onto your heart, or what grabbed onto your mind, or or what just caught your attention? Right. Well, my traditional understanding of this parable was always that these um, that God was just super just, right? That His ways were not the way we think about things, right? So this is the parable where. Um, the, the guy, the master hires these people at the early beginning of the day, agrees on a price, and then they start working on the field. And then he, throughout the day, he keeps adding more workers. And at the end of the day, he pays them all the same. He pays them all the same, right? right. He pays them one denarius. So yeah, we're talking harvest time here, 12 hour days in the field, right? So some of these, these first ones are coming in at about six in the morning and working all day. From and then sunrise some, to yeah, sundown. sunrise to sunset could be more than 12 hours right you know it could be a very long day for some of these workers yeah and then he's hiring them throughout the day yeah, yeah. which so i actually just assumed kind of like you know the prodigal son where there's the older brother who is disgruntled because he you know they're having a feast for the son who comes back or or the lost sheep like how ridiculous it is that a shepherd would go off to look for one sheep risking the others. So I always thought of it simply, and I think this is the case, but simply as one of these, God is ridiculous in how much he is generous and cares and he defies the rules of justice. So I can't, and, and sometimes we just don't get it and we don't understand. But I went a little deeper and found a few different things. Mm -hmm. All right. What'd you find? <laughs> well, well, okay. First of all, um, 
harvest time in Palestine, right? They was was actually a beat the clock kind of event um, in September because they had to get everything in before the rain came. Because if the rain came and, they, and you didn't reap your harvest fully, then there'd be a lot of things spoiled. All right. So it actually wasn't uncommon for a master like that to go over to the marketplace and like keep adding people. There was, it was a race against the clock. Right. And so he was kind of grateful to get more guys out there. Right. The other thing I learned is a day's wage for somebody who is not like, who is just a, a day laborer is really low, like a denarius. So a denarius is really not much. All right. You're, you're less than a, in fact, you're less than like a slave slash servant in the Roman period because they at least knew, generally speaking, that they were going to be fed, that they were going to have a place to live, that they were kind of taken care of. Right. Day, day laborers were living day by day, hoping so, enough to feed their family. So real potential for exploitation too, right? You know, oh, like yes. they, they're, they're, they're like at the mercy of employers right so so yeah there's this uh there's this tenuous existence with day laborers right like am i going to have enough to eat am i going to have enough to keep you know body and soul together for another day in some yeah. cases and so these 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 guys would show up at the marketplace right just hoping hoping they'd stand all day they might be standing there all day till you know 5 p.m right hoping that they would get any work and it was probably in hopes of feeding their family in a lot of cases, right? right. So, right. so in fact, that the master brings them in, he kind of needs them, so he's happy to have them. And so every couple hours extra getting people on the field is actually going to might save the day. So, um, and, and one Daenerys isn't a lot. So if you think about it, this guy that comes in, you know, whether he comes in at 9 a.m. or noon or or three or five, he's he is basically if he gets less than a Daenerys, he probably can't feed his family. Like, or at least yeah. he'll it's something, but it's not much to get by on at all. So back in those days, there were four sesterces in one denarius, right? So mm-hmm. sesterces was a quarter of a denarius, and that would be the price of a of a healthy plate of beans. Right. So, you know, it's like we're talking like, yeah, subsistence. This is like subsistence wage. Right. So and, you know, my imagination is some of these guys may have been like pursuing other, you know, other places for employment. They weren't right there at, at sunup. Right. Uh, in, the, in the marketplace, in that particular marketplace, because they were looking for work wherever they could find it. So right. they circled back around, maybe. Right. Because if they had been there in the morning. You know, they would have been hiring. He would have been hiring them, right? So they showed up. They actually showed up at the right place later on in the day to be hired. Gotcha. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 And so, so at the end of the day, when the master decides to give them all the same amount, he is being generous. He doesn't necessarily have to, but he had an agreed amount in the morning with the first guys. Right. The guys later, it doesn't say that he contracted any certain amount with them. He said, I'll pay you. They're kind of just happy to be working and saying, pay me whatever. Well, he does have an agreement. He says, I will pay you what is just. Just. What is just. Yeah. Right. Ah, interesting. Right. Because then all of a sudden, all this issues around justice could start coming up. Right. Right. But in fact, 
he could technically have given them less, but he doesn't. Right. And right. he decides he gives them full day's wage. And I think the reason is because God isn't just tied to strict justice in the sense of, you know, you work three quarters of the day, you get three quarters of a Daenerys. Right. Right. He's actually cares about the person. Right. He cares about the person and he makes a decision to give them the full Daenerys, which isn't, you know, which still is just getting by because he knows that they need it. Right. And he loves them and right. wants to take care of them. He has right. compassion and generosity. And he sees beyond, like the guys in the morning, yeah, they deserve their one Daenerys too. They contracted that and they get it. But they're thinking just of justice in very human terms. And they're thinking pretty much of themselves. You know, well, hey, I got one, but I worked a lot more than you. Right. And that's all they can, they can't see outside of it. God sees, which takes us a little bit to the first reading. First reading, Isaiah 55, which I just love, you know, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. Yeah. Right. He's thinking, hey, you know, this is about loving. Right. And the, and, the, and the workers that were there from the very morning, they're not thinking about it in the bigger picture. Like, hey, here's an employer that might give me more. Then you know at some other point than I than I actually contracted for like what a wonderful thing for employers to exist like that even if I'm not profiting from it today, right? right. There's this very narrow vision, right? Mm -hmm. That that these that these laborers are having that were hired first thing in the morning. And you know I think it's interesting because I think we are as humans we tend to be self-centered and money provokes a lot in us because we need it. Oh yeah, survive, and we can be greedy or we can be just you know it can affect us. Right. Know, have us turn away from sin and whereas turn towards it whereas god it shows does see the bigger picture his ways are not our ways right you know and and i feel like the church in its teachings i i just did a little glancing uh i pulled out my book that never gets any attention at all on my bookshelf but this companion social teaching of the catholic church which is magisterial <laughs> teaching which some catholics Kind of forget about, but, <laughs> you know, uh, looking at Rerum Neverum and uh, Pope Leo the Thirteenth a little bit and his teaching, but especially John Paul II. And I don't know if I can say the term right. Um, is it laborum exercens? Anyway, that's the encyclical that John Paul talks about work. In, the, in Rerum Neverum, there's this sense because it's the 19th century when the Industrial Revolution, where workers aren't being treated well. Right. right, and they're being basically treated like they're cogs in a factory. They're just commodities to be used, right? And uh, and working conditions are terrible. Um, of course, a lot of advances happen over time in, in most Western industrialized worlds, uh, where where human rights are recognized more and more. But but John Paul brings it home. I feel like, and 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 focuses on why we have work at all right we have work because uh, to serve the human person to be like as a human person the work we do is meant to have inherent meaning and advance create god's creative work advance redemption mm -hmm. right we don't just work we're not just commodities does that resonate with you that resonates with me. Yeah, I mean, I've heard in traditional circles sometimes that work is um, a punishment, 
for original sin, right? You know, because now, right. you know, now Adam and Eve have to, you know, earn their bread by the sweat of their brow and so forth. But if you actually look in Genesis, there was work of a different kind before the fall. You know, uh, Adam was entrusted, Adam and Eve were entrusted with the care of the garden, right? And and mm-hmm. and so it had a, it still existed even before the fall. But I've heard some, especially in traditional circles, you know, kind of reduce it all down to one big punishment, you know, right. and, and that's not, that's actually not, um, it's actually not how John Paul II looks at it, for example, or how Leo the Thirteenth looks at it. Well, it's certainly not how Saint Paul does in this right. in the letter to the Philippians, right? Because I mean, he sees it right as um, he's working. Well, he's kind of saying, which was a little hard for me to kind of make sense of, but or to or to appreciate, uh, um, saying he'd pretty much rather die <laughs> to be with Jesus. Right. But since he's here, he's working toward preach with preaching and stuff to bring others to um to christ and so he finds meaning in that work right and that's right. definitely not a punishment to him that's something he actually cares about deeply yeah yeah and motivates him right well remember this is happening late in his life he's writing to the philippians very late in his life he's imprisoned um he could be executed he's not sure he may have a choice as to whether he lives or dies because of how he handles his testimony right in the trial right he could probably handle his testimony in such a way that it would ensure his death and he could handle his testimony in a way that might help him survive uh so he, he may actually have his life in his own hands in a sense um and and so, um, but, but, you know, he's also a man who has been carried up to heaven, right? He has actually experienced a taste, not the fullness, but a taste of the beatific vision, mm. right? So that compelling idea of being in that loving relationship, in that gaze with, with, with our Lord Jesus Christ is so compelling for him in a way that, you know, we haven't experienced you know, right. so that this this idea of like death as liberator, you know, death as death as a gift, yeah. um, you know, is very strong for Paul in in these days. So. Oh, I like that you said that. I like how you put that. I hadn't thought about it because I was sort of wrestling with this idea. Why is Paul so narrow minded? Like, why is he <laughs> like just wants to die? And I'm like, why don't? And and his only reason for living is 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 you know to serve others, which sounds noble and wonderful, right? But why not also just to appreciate life, right? Right. Um, but the fact that he you just said that that he experienced he'd already experienced Christ in a way very few had ever, and he longed for that makes right. a lot of sense to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that he was also probably because he was in prison and realizing death may come sooner than later anyway. Right. Um, right. He may have some say in that, but he may not. Ultimately. He may not. He may not. But as a Roman citizen, you know, he has he has certain mm-hmm. rights, you know, and they're going to be more loath to 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 execute a Roman citizen than uh, someone who's not. I would think so. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking is I'm trying to enter into Paul's into Paul's mind. But the interesting line in there, the two words that really caught me, were it was a fruitful labor. Right. He's talking about a fruitful labor. Mm-hmm. And that brings us right back to the gospel. Right. Because remember, what are they harvesting? They're harvesting grapes. And I will tell you, I have a vineyard. There is nothing quite so short lived as a grape on the vine. Like you have got to get those grapes. It's not like harvesting wheat. You know, wheat can sit out there. Corn can sit out there. The different grades can sit out. Barley, you know, whatever. But grapes, 
man, if you get wet coming in, you've got fungus all over the place. It's going to ruin everything. So what you were saying before about having to get that harvest in, it's absolutely true. In fact, they may have been trying to beat the night because if that night was damp, that fungus could take over. And by the morning, that entire crop could be just destroyed. So, um, yeah, so I really like how you did your, your research on that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do it firsthand. I did not. <laughs> I really have never had a great grape crop, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, 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 it's been one of the most frustrating things to grow. Uh, you know, so the idea that, that there might be some urgency here you know, on the, in the master of the vineyard and that, you know, that he wants good all around. And that, you know, at the end of that harvest, he may have been really excited too. Like, just like, what, what a beautiful thing that we got it in. Yeah. Those guys though, that got it in, that helped out at the last hour. Right. Actually might've been like, you know, like just getting those last grapes in just in time. Just in time. Yeah. Interesting. See, wouldn't have known that right. Without that context, you wouldn't have really appreciated that deeper level of insight. Um, you know, if we apply that to the church, um, whether we apply it to the history of the church, the whole sweep of history, or we apply it to our own lives in our own churches, I think it says something to us. Because the first example of the sweep of the church, sometimes I think we think, well, all the great saints were hundreds of years ago, right? Like, and I could definitely get into that. Like, I love all St. John Chrysostom and St. Augustine and all these people. And just thinking they were the glory days. And we're just like, we're in this century and it sucks, right? And so part of, and, and we're like lesser or something. And the reality is that's not, I don't think that's actually the way God sees it. I remember once my pastor, um, is one church I was at, said, because uh, we're in this Atlanta suburban area, there's huge, like there's 3,000 families in this one church, and there's several other churches nearby that also have 3,000 families. And he was saying, our church is larger than St. Augustine's church was in Hippo, that he was a bishop for. Like, well, of course, populations were much smaller then too, but it's like, oh, wow. You know, then part of me went, well, then why aren't you more like St. You know what I mean? Like you have more influence over people we're you know what i mean they did so he did so much and yet we didn't but we're just as important as saint augustine yeah right and and in god's eyes and we can do as great we can do great or greater things than saint augustine for example potentially right but we sometimes limit ourselves so that was one thought i have um the other one was just sometimes we get so entrenched in our own church and think well this is my church and i've been in this parish for the last you know, 30 years or something. And so I own it <laughs> and, I, and somebody new comes in and they're like, well, you better conform to the way we do things here. Right. Or something. And we look at them as less than not true. This parable would say in some ways that new person, maybe they're newer to the faith or something. They, they're actually just as valuable, just right. as precious. Right. right. Maybe even like the prodigal son coming home, for that moment more more um important in some way or at least well, brings a lot of joy to god and so it just we need to challenge ourselves is, is i guess what i'm thinking in this pair in this parable you know this there's an interesting thing that's related to that because if you actually go back to the greek um you know the um 
there's a there's this okay so the 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 vineyard owner is saying are you envious because i am generous that's how it's translated in the nab but if you actually look go back to the greek a more literal translation is is your eye evil because i am good is your eye evil because i am good and you know that really grips me because you know instead of just saying envious are you envious is your eye evil that gets us into the psychology of it because it says how are we perceiving this through our eyes how are we how are we how are we looking at this are we willing that that guy only get half a day's wage and that guy get only a quarter of a day's wage and that guy only get you know one twelfth of the of a denarius because he only worked an hour right are we willing that others you know are we jaundiced by the way that we're perceiving this or is our heart open to generosity to good things right so then 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 we start getting into like what kind of lenses are we looking through is our eye evil Right when we're considering um, when we're considering what happens uh, for other people, uh, yeah. do we feel disadvantaged because somebody else got to eat and have a full belly at the end of the day, you know? Uh, and we got to eat and have a full belly, but we had to work harder for it, you know? Yeah. So. No, I th- I like that wording. Is your eye evil? Um, right. I, I like it a lot. It actually it fits in with where we're going to go with the action item, I believe. Mm -hmm. I I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, some of the, you know, general psychological research around work, which I think aligns well, a lot of it anyway, aligns with what the uh, popes have been saying about work over over the last 150 years. And really, it's like, what is the value or benefit of work at all? Like, what do we get out of it? Uh, Because some people just take the attitude with work like just TGI Friday, I can't wait until it's over, you right. know, and then life gets good. Then I can enjoy my weekend or whatever. But I'm going to kind of explore some of, you know, if you come up with some, jump in. But but even just having friends and social and a social environment for not all work necessarily does, but it, for a lot of people, it provides you with connections with people. Right. right. If you're working on teams or you have people to work with. Another one is just work can give us a sense of our identity. It shouldn't be our whole identity, um, but the aspect of our identity and can give us a sense of self-worth. And what we're doing, the fact is that we're accomplishing something or completing things can give us a sense of self-efficacy. In other words, we're capable of doing things, even if it's like cleaning, you know, uh, cleaning something where we have a sense of, we're contributing, um, right. and so on. Gives us money, so we can't deny that. You know, for if it's employment type work, we get funds, which is useful. If it's not, um, even but even work that isn't like if you're caring for children or something where you're not being paid, uh, or taking care of a house or something, then or an elderly person or whatever, then you do get to know who you are through the work. Right, like a sense of learning about yourself, learning about others, being challenged, contributing to the good of society in some way. Right, right. Yeah. So right. those are all some positive ways in which work can help. Any thoughts on that, or any other? Yeah, I'm just thinking about you know in our current environment where a lot of people lost their jobs. You know, uh, a recent unemployment mm-hmm. stats looks like you know according to the government statistics bureau of labor statistics, unemployment's dropped to 8.4 percent, which is a lot lower than some people would have thought. It had 
been up in the 18, 19% yeah. range for a while. But, um, but I'm just thinking about like what happens when we lose, sometimes you don't know what you have till you lose it. Right. You know, yeah. the, old, the old saying. So I'm curious about like thinking about, so, you know, what would it be like if I lost my job? You know, I wonder if you've got, you know, stuff on unemployment, yeah, um, sure. the, the effects of not having work because i know that suicide lines have been uh high and one of the one of the one of the um reasons for that that i've heard from those that run them are lost a job you know that's a, like a real stressor for people so yeah yeah i think it really hits at for a lot of people at who they are and mm-hmm. their their sense their self-worth their self-esteem you might say because now it's like well what am i good for Right times, right, and and I feel like that is definitely an understandable feeling, right? Um, and certainly there can be fear and anxiety around loss of income, yeah. right? And that's a very understandable concern. But what am I good for? Speaks to what am I good for? And 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 at a deeper level, it can lead to deeper levels of depression and so on. And that's why I think John Paul II's you know wisdom in his encyclical so powerful because. He's saying, no, um, every, like people should have, you know, people should be paid well or no, pay well. they should be paid f- a fair wage. They should, you know, work is almost a right on some level. It's almost like it's an important aspect of who we are, but not because it gives us our worth, but it's because our worth can get expressed. Can it express through. So the dignity of work is because a human person does the work right not the other way around but i remember oh sorry no go no ahead. go ahead go ahead i i remember reading a book called uh the life of mary is seen by the mystics and it was basically um sort of a, a a life of mary through the eyes of four mystics and one of the things that one of these mystics i can't remember which one had seen was that saint joseph was a bedridden for the last eight years of his life Oh, really? And yeah, so, and that was really troubling to me, right? Because at the time, several years ago, when I read this, the whole idea of being laid up in bed and having the Blessed Virgin serve me hand and foot and having Christ himself, you know, provide for, like, he'd be working so that I can have my bread and my broth, you know, and all of that. Like, that was really hard for me to take. Like, if I was in St. Joseph's position, because I have a lot of really utilitarian attitudes you know, at that time. And I, right. I still got some of them today, you know, like I'm valuable because I do good things. Like I make podcasts or, you know, or whatever. And uh, it, that's not where our worth comes from. And so that was something for me to meditate on is, you know, St. Joseph patiently enduring a bedridden condition for eight years uh, before he died, you know, and wow. uh, you know, so, and that, that even in that place, he had work, right? He was praying. He was counseling Jesus, right? He was carrying out the roles that God had for him in that, in those difficult circumstances. So, but our, our, our teaching is basically that life is sanctious, right? uh, uh, is precious, sacred from conception right. to natural death. Natural death. So right. even if he is not able to work or really right. provide much, even, even if it's not providing a lot of counsel, because he's ill or something. Right. He, right. That worth there's something. 
is intrinsic that the intrin so that's yeah. what you were saying about the work being one expression not the expression but one expression you said an expression yeah. right not the expression yeah. because i think especially in our in our uh in in north america especially in the united states there's this attitude that uh i work therefore i am right yeah. like my my goodness my value comes from my productivity and as we move toward you know a culture of death that you know encourages euthanasia for example um you know it's like it's right. based on a quality of life and you know uh, and utilitarian principles and so forth it's like wow that stuff is like that's mm -hmm. that's it's something that we really have to be countercultural about. So even if you are not elderly or sick, but even if you are a stay-at-home parent taking care of children, even if, or taking care of an elderly parent, but you're not getting any money, or you choose to do volunteer work, or you're doing whatever, it's an expression of the human person. And the work is beautiful. The work is precious because in it, you're expressing, you're participating in redemption, ideally. Right. You're participating in, 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 in making the world a better place or making or in some way um, sanctifying the world through your work. Right. And that can be like saying, you know, a lot of like Brother Lawrence or St. Therese teaches us like that could or, or Catherine Doherty or some of the ones right. I really like who, who that could be like scrubbing a toilet or changing a diaper is a form of work that can be full of meaning and contribute to the kingdom. Right. St. Therese, Therese of Lisieux, you know, talks about how it, we don't have to do great things. We have to do little things with great love, you know, and mm -hmm. she's got so many, so many, so much yeah. around that. So to sweep a stairway was one of her examples, but with great love, I mean, there she's ennobling the work, you know, yeah. um, and lifting it up to, uh, you know, a divine, you know, to having divine, uh, or to having uh, eternal value, right? right. Because of the, it's because of the love, not because of the greatness, you know, of the of the or the or the, the the magnitude of the act. Right, and the Catholic magisterial social teaching says that the end of it of work should not be just to make money. Obviously, right, we're participating in an economic right. you know system, but it the real goal should not be just money or some other means it should be around the human person good of society right and i think we can we can lose track of that as individuals certainly as companies countries even nations can lose track of that yeah and and, and they're not catching what the gospel is really teaching or what the church teaches so, yeah well I, so, yeah. I feel fortunate because i've worked as a teacher i've worked as a school counselor i'm working as a therapist all these jobs to me at least just feel like i've inherent meaning it's just sort of helping people so if you're in a helping profession to me there's a lot of inherent meaning and i think it can be harder for some people working for businesses technology corporations and things like that um, to appreciate what they're actually contributing to and it could be that it's simply providing for the family Right. Right. Um, and that may be enough and that may be just necessary. But I'm going to challenge and that's our action item today is to look at the different elements of the work, whatever work you're doing, whether it's um, you're caring for somebody, you're in some kind of corporate job or maybe it's a menial job. Maybe it's your therapist or maybe you're a doctor. All these different jobs, they, there's all kinds of levels 
in which we could maybe stop and appreciate um, that we might not. So that kind of takes us a little bit to our action item, right? And so my action item is to look for aspects of work that you undervalue of your work, whatever it is. Uh, even if it's a volunteer job or you're helping with Sunday school or something. Because we can get really trapped. I know I've been there at times where it's just like, I hate my job or I don't want to go to work or, um, you know, I wish I could do anything else. And sometimes we get, if we feel that way, we do need to consider career changes or consider, but that may not be an option today, right? So what are ways in which we can appreciate? Uh, I mentioned some things, the people we work with. Right. Sometimes they drive us crazy, but they <laughs> in some cases. But but Are you talking about me, Dr. Jerry. I probably have you too. So but can we look at the people we work with and say, wow, I get to interact with people. Right. Right. I think if COVID has taught us anything, maybe it's for some it's that. Like if I really miss some interactions I have being only at home. Right, um, and this kind of thing. Um, does it give us a sense of stability? Right, right. maybe structure is good for me. Maybe, um, maybe if I didn't, if I, I think it would be great to just not work, but then if I didn't do anything, if I just lazed around in bed all day and watched TV and stuff like this, just really do anything, I would never actually appreciate resting and relaxation and recreation. But working actually allows me to appreciate that more. One thing. Um, what do I get? Do I net recognize something about myself in the work I do? Like if I am, say I'm a counselor, I can go, wow, I like being, doing this work. It gives me a sense of identity. It gives me, really is it, I'm really able to express who I am in this work. If that's the case, acknowledging that, um, money does give us funds, (laughs) right? Um, Am I helping the public good in some way, even if it's a small thing? Right. 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 Um, and does it, do I, am I learning anything about who I am Right. and others? Is it challenging me? Am I being stimulated intellectually in any way? So you're really looking at how is this particular job, this particular work that I've been given, how is that a gift? Now, how yeah. is it providential, right? You're, yeah. you're really trying to get at how is this a gift and what am I, instead of just gutting our way through it, instead of just tolerating it, instead yeah. of just enduring it, instead of just, you know, kind of just uh, schlepping our way through, but actually embracing it. And and where, how am I looking at this with like an evil eye, right? I like guess kind of like what you're saying, like what am I missing, you know? I love that. Yeah, bringing it back to the evil eye, you know, right. I locked in. And, and, you know, my looking at everybody I work with, oh, I can't stand those people. Oh, my boss is this or that, or right. it is negative. I like right. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. your challenge is to, you might have more than one, but at least come up with one thing that you get from work that is a benefit that maybe you are undervaluing. Yeah. And then my, my suggestion there is say a prayer of gratitude. Right. Acknowledge that in your prayer time, like say, thank you, Lord, for my work. And thank you that I was able to, I'm I'm able to get this out of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right.
So we got some, we got a few things like to take a look at, right? I mean, one of the things is this, uh, we got a vocations course, right? Vocations oh, yes. type of work, right? So that's the Be Called course that Dr. Jerry, uh, that J Dr. Jerry co-did with uh, Dr. Mark Lafke, dear friend of ours. Excellent job on that course. So there's some things in there that definitely pertain to this topic. Yeah. And there helps you get a plan for life in that to help right. you discern you know, what kind of career path or, or vocational path you want to take. Speaking of dear friends, I want to throw out a little, a little shout out to a buddy of mine. His name is Mac Barron. And he and his wife, Catherine, and that's Catherine with a K, have a great podcast called Catholic in a Small Town. And so if you go to Mac and Catherine, and that's Catherine with a K, dot com, you can check out, they've got a lot on their actual website, but you can also check out that podcast. And this is like a really long running one too, right? If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, this is one that goes back like a long way. Mac's been doing a podcast since 2006. And I think he can claim to have the longest running podcast that's Catholic. That's still going. Really? Really? I believe that's huh. true. 2006. And, so that's 14 years, Dr. Jerry. That's yeah, 14 like, years of podcasting. You know, like podcasting itself hasn't really been around that long. <laughs> really. right. It's not like you say, oh, I've been doing a podcast since 1982, and then you would know. Right. I don't right. think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but no, and he talks about like family life stuff, Catholic issues, raising kids, but he also gets into all kinds of interesting things about movies, books, games. And honestly, I think I know a lot about movies because I kind of like movies. I'm a bit of a movie buff, but Mac, hands down, if I mention a movie, he knows about it, can analyze it, critique it, tell you anything you want to know. He's, he's full of amazing information. So check that out. He's All one right. of our listeners, and that's uh, another thing. I, I appreciate, Mac, you mentioning us on your podcast as well. So, that's sweet. That. Yep. All right. Well, we are excited to uh, be completing this episode today. <laughs> and we're going to have, because <laughs> we're getting closer and closer to 50. I feel like we have to do something big when we hit 50. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but we'll have to say goodbye uh, until next week, we hope that you will join us on soulsandhearts.com and check out all our courses, all our blogs, and, and all the material. We're bringing together Catholic mental health professionals and others um, from around the country to just provide stuff you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. yeah. All right. So until next time, be still. Believe. Be loved. Be loved. Take good care. God bless you all. Thank you.